I thought we had the Pointer sisters here, but I found out they're the Pointer cousins. So they did a great job. Loved Erica's uh, rendition of Be Thou My Vision. And then uh, just the worship time that we've had together today. We've been so blessed that sometimes we're too blessed. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying? We get spoiled, right? And so we always have to stop and give God thanks and praise for all that he has done for us. Well, before I get into the message today, so don't start me yet. Some of you are like real, like timing me, not yet. I got, a, I got something I wanna do and then I'm gonna give you a really cool announcement, all right? So it's gonna be worth you being here today for just for that. Uh, many of you know and love Diane Wagner dearly, amen? Yeah. Um, as you know, Diane does most of our hospital um, and shut-in visitation and calls. And if you're having surgery, she's the one you want there. Like if I show up, like I knock like IV bottles over and I step on air hoses and things like that. And uh, oftentimes I'm at the wrong hospital. <laughs> I walked into a hospital one day and I, I had only been at the church about a week. And uh, this lady, as I opened the door, she said, it's about time, and then she went into a bunch of expletives that I got my sorry self up there to see her. And I thought, well, welcome to town. This is like a little different. And so she went on to let me have a lecture on how she'd been in there for four or five days, and I'm just getting my sorry self up there to see her. And, and pretty soon she said something, and I thought, I think she's a little confused. And I said, ma'am, who do you think I am? And she says, well, aren't you my doctor? And I said, no, I'm Reverend Gates from the Church of the Nazarene, to which she immediately turned red. And uh, then she said, well, you might as well go ahead and pray for me. You can tell I need it. So, <laughs> so be thankful Diane shows up. She'll get to the, I found out I was at the wrong hospital. That's what it was. So, uh, but uh, we're so thankful for Diane. She has a love, a deep love, and a servant's heart for people. If you've been around her, you know that is certainly true. And uh, really, I think we'd be, we'd be lost around her, around here without her. I would just say from a pastoral perspective, coming in at a church this size, she has taken a great load of uh, care and just, she just runs with that and does such a beautiful job with that and she just loves people. What you may not know is that uh, uh, over the last few months in talking with Diane, we have talked to her and she has enrolled in Nazarene Bible College taking classes to become an ordained deacon in the Church of the Nazarene. And this summer, your church board extended to her a local minister's license as the first step towards her ordination. And I've asked her if she would come and I wanna present this to her this morning. Come on, Diane. We are so thankful for you. So I'm not gonna, yeah, look at this. <laughs> they love you. All right, I'm gonna present that to you. I'm not gonna hug you or shake your hand since all this stuff, but I do wanna pray for you. Would that be all right? Father, we're so thankful for this special lady, um, how you have done such a wonderful work in her life, but how now you have challenged her and called her to a, a higher step in her commitment to you. And right now, I just pray your blessing and anointing on her. I'm thankful for how well she's doing 
And I look forward to the day that we lay our hands on her and she is ordained as a deacon in the Church of the Nazarene. And so I pray you'd be with her now in a way that would give her strength and encouragement as she goes about all of her studies and tasks. We pray in Christ's name, amen. If you're gonna pray for her, say amen. And by the way, she came in, she's taken about, how many classes have you taken so far? She's taken two classes, aced them both. So uh, I, I never had that problem. So, hey, I wanna do one more special announcement. Um, as many of you know, after 30 years of awesome ministry, here at Kokomo Naz, Pastor Liz uh, retired just a few weeks ago. She left a huge hole, right? No one could come in and replace what Pastor Liz has done. Now she's not here, so you don't have to clap for her. So <laughs> she is watching online though. Uh, but uh, no one could come in and do what she has done. She has brought tremendous vision, oversight, and leadership into our first service as she is just done an incredible job down through the years. And it's not easy this day to find someone that has the gifts and the unique talents that someone like uh, Liz Robinson has uh, because, you know, be able to lead a choir and things like that. They're just not producing those as much out of our colleges. And uh, so, and then to be able to continue in the incredible productions that we are known for. I met someone this week and uh, they happened to, you know, ask me what I did. I said, I'm a pastor at First Church of the Nazarene. First Church of the Nazarene. I go to your productions every year and you are known all over our city. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so to be able to find someone that can step in and lead us forward in our first service, it's been uh, a little bit of a daunting task. But we have been praying and seeking God's directions for the next chapter. And I am pleased to announce to you today that your church board has unanimously, unanimously voted to bring somebody on staff, not to replace Liz, you can't replace her, but to lead us into the next chapter. I think you maybe know this person. Her name is, do we have her picture? I don't know if they got, there it is, Sarah Gonzalez Chamberlain. Yeah. Uh, many of you know her already. She grew up in Kokomo Nash. You've heard her for a long time, and I am pleased that she'll be coming to be a part of staff. We've met several times. She met with your church board. Um, her vision and direction that, that I think she will take us will complement everything that Pastor Liz has done. Um, their first Sunday will be uh, on September the 20th, will be the third Sunday in September. And so please pray for Sarah, pray for her husband, Lee and their two children, Caroline and Remington, as they begin this new chapter with us. If you will pray for them, would you just give them like a real heartily amen? Amen. Wow. All right. Hey, listen, um, where we've been has been awesome, but I always believe that where, when we walk with God, the best is yet to come. Amen. And so we're just, we're just so thankful for the way God has been helping us and leading us. And uh, it's going to be a great day. So you just be in prayer. All right. Uh, I got to do a quick shout out today to my friend Russ, because he was complaining. I haven't given him a shout out yet. He's a pastor friend who watches us every Sunday morning before his service. He watches our service. So there you go, Russ. Um, also, I just want to say uh, hello to all of our elderly that watch every week. 
um, whether it's in the nursing homes, retirement centers, or at home, uh, they have been very faithful. You have been very faithful. And I just want you to know at times during all this, you feel isolated and alone, but you are not alone. And you are loved and you are prayed for, and we are thankful for you. Amen. All right, you ready for me to start preaching? All right, well, let me get into it. Um, As you know, we've been in this series, Faithful Living in a World of Fear, because we live in this crazy, crazy time more than any other time. Things have just kind of gone berserk. Uh, Nobody knows knows what tomorrow's even going to look like. I was in uh, talking with some uh, uh, denominational leaders this week and just some of the comments and some of the things that have been said as far as We are walking in uh, a day in which we just don't know what even next week will look like, how this will all lay out, how long it will last, how long it will affect the church. But here's what I do believe. I believe God's gonna use it all, even in the things that we don't understand, and you're gonna see this lived out in the message today, that God is gonna take the things that we don't like and the things that we don't understand, and he's gonna use it to raise the church to a greater effectiveness in the days to come. I believe that. If you love God and trust God, say amen. So today, I want to look at um, a guy, uh, as we've been looking at these faithful people throughout the Word of God, I want to look at a guy today by the name of Job, and I want to begin at the end. So we're going we're gonna to look at the end of Job, we're going to look in chapter 42, and we're not going to look necessarily focus on the first part as much as I want to focus today on the second part of Job's life. Job is a very depressing book about a guy that is so incredibly righteous that he um, impresses God enough that God would meet with Satan and brag on Job to Satan. You just gotta think about that. He's like meeting with, God calls Satan up. Come on. Calls him up and says, have you checked out my man Job? And all of the things that Job went through it all seems so unfair and you just don't get it and it just doesn't make sense until you get to chapter 42 because in chapter 42, things change. And in verse 12, here's what it says. The Lord blessed the last part of Job's life even more than he had blessed the first. And you need to underline that and write this off to the side. You ought to, this is what you ought to have written next to that verse. I want to live under the blessings of God in my life. I want to live under the umbrella of the blessings and effectiveness of God in my life. I don't want to just live. I want to live under the umbrella of his blessings on me. I want that for me. I want that for my family. I want that for all of you, I want that for our church. Now, don't raise hands this morning and you don't have to do anything online, post anything, but how many of you have ever been mad? Like just mad, right? Come on, that's like all of us, right? You're sitting next to somebody and that son of a gun has gotten mad before, like really mad. Um, How many of you have ever been mad? And don't raise your hand on this one for sure. How many of you have ever been mad enough you wanted to hit something or somebody? Like you just wanted to hit something, something. Um, how many of you have ever been like really confused with life? Uh, this would apply to all married men, right? 
Like when you walk into the bedroom and there are 50 pillows on the bed and you're like, all right, that, that's just my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a friend of mine, uh, he comes to see us and we'll be sitting around talking and usually about 8.30, he'll say, hey, I need to, I need to head on uh, up to bed. He said, I'm not really tired right now, but it's gonna take me 30 minutes to get all the pillows off the beds. <laughs> uh, how many have ever been frustrated? Like, Ugh! and this would be like, all parents would be like, yes, that's me. Um, because we've all been mad. We've all been confused. We've all been frustrated, right? Angry. Now, here's the question that I have for you. How many of you have ever been mad, confused, or frustrated with God? See, the truth is, if we in the house of God were open in our hearts toward him, there are some of us today, the truth about you is that right now, where you're living, you are mad at God. There is something that's happened, you are angry at him. I'll just tell you as a pastor, I've been mad at God. Has anybody besides me ever yelled at God? Like driving down the car, uh, you know, the street in your car and you just like yelled out like, okay, why didn't you heal them? Why didn't you move in that situation? Why didn't you provide this? Why, Why did you take them away. We've all had times of confusion where there are things happening in our lives and we just don't understand why they're happening the way they're happening. And, and, and some of you are just frustrated at God right now. Come on, anybody in recent days said this just isn't fair? That's why the Isaiah writer said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And what happens is we often get frustrated because we don't understand his ways or his thoughts. And there are times we just wanna throw up our hands and quit because we just don't understand. And so let me give you the message today in one sentence, although I'm gonna ask you to stay for the whole thing. I give you the message today in one sentence and here is the message. And it comes from the life of Job. And it comes to us today where we're living, those of us that have been frustrated, angry, confused, have questions of God. And here in whatever you're going through, here is the message today. Don't ever give up on a God who has never given up on you. Don't ever quit on him. He's not ever quit on you. That's why the Galatian, in Galatians, Paul said, let us not become weary in doing good for at a proper time, at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And if you want the next part of your life to be blessed more than the first part of your life, come on, stay with me. Don't ever give up on a God who has never given up on you in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your frustration. Don't ever give up on God because he has never given up on you. This is a simple message I'm gonna give you today. There's only two points I wanna give you. And the first point is this, life is hard. (laughs) You're like, really, that's all you got, preach? (laughs) Uh, You knew that, didn't you? That life is hard. 
Some of you just wanna scream right now. You just wanna scream about your life. My life right now is so hard. Life is hard. Life is hard right now for all of us. Nobody saw COVID-19 coming, nobody. It just happened. You couldn't have sat down at the beginning of 2019 and written a script like we would have seen today. Everybody would have thought you were just loony, right? Nobody could have predicted this. Nobody ever, you know, it just, it just hit. It happened. Nobody here ever scheduled a tragedy. You, you, didn't like, you didn't like wake up like and go, you know what? It's Monday morning. I don't have a whole lot going on this week. This would be a really good week for a heart attack. <laughs> We just, don't, we just don't do that. I got a lot of open time coming up. This would be a great time to get in an accident. No, 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 no. Why? Because life is hard and they come from nowhere. Now, for years, Vicki and I lived in the vacation spot of the world in Orlando, Florida. We only lived about 25 or 30 minutes from there. And um, Walt Disney dreamed of this ultimate place where families could come to have fun. And Vicki and I just have to tell you, because we had season passes, Disney is a great place to go to have fun if you don't have children. <laughs> Parents do not have fun at Disney. I'm just telling you, they don't. It's hot, long lines, cost about $100 a minute. Um, and so we would often, she'd get off to work or if we had some time, we might go over for just a few hours and, um, and, and a lot of times we would just observe. So we'd sit, maybe get something to eat or whatever and you could observe, especially up front toward as people were leaving with their kids. Um, and we would watch mom and dads trying their best to make those kids happy and have fun. And the whole time it just seemed like all of them were miserable. So we heard, you know, just a lot of different conversations. You know, one was like, Johnny, I think what you need right now is an attitude adjustment, mister. Or no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we give you, you are just always unhappy. Or my favorite, if I hear one more word out of you, I will spank you, mister. And that was from a lady to her husband, right? <laughs> In chapter one of Job, God calls Job blameless or righteous and upright. Blameless and upright. He loved his family. He worked hard. He sacrificed. He loved and served God. Come on, stay with me. And because of that, it initiated a conversation that God would have with Satan. Because Job did not know about this conversation. And by the way, let me just say to you, some of you that are going through some things right now that you don't understand and are frustrated with and are angry about, and you just can't get it in your mind, there's always more going on in your life than you think there is. There's always more that God is doing that we never see or understand in the moment. And so 
God says to Satan, have you considered, have you seen, have you watched, have you observed my man Job? And Satan's response to God was, well, sure. It's because you've blessed him so much. Because you live a righteous life. Come on, stay with me here on this. If you live a righteous life over time, you're gonna see God's blessings on your life. You just are. You don't believe that? Come down, I'll tell you my life story. And at the end, you will go, whoo, dude, you are a blessed man. But there's a lot of blessed men out here, a lot of blessed women out here today, right? You live a righteous life, you reap the blessings of God. There is a premise and then there's a promise. Now in 1 Samuel 26, 23, we read this verse, the Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and their faithfulness. But here's the deal. Sometimes righteousness means a tough life. Sometimes righteousness means we endure things that are hard and that are difficult because Satan knows that any fool, that's you and me, would follow God if everything were just good. You go out on the streets of Kokomo, anybody would just follow good if they had this guarantee that everything in their life is always gonna be rosy. So Satan says to God, you take away his blessings and he will look at you and he will curse you to your face. And God has enough confidence in Job that he says to Satan, okay, go ahead, take away his blessings. And by the way, notice that Satan had to get permission to touch his life. He had to get permission from God to touch his life, to come into his life, to try his life because your life is always, come on, stay with me. Your life is always under God's control. Your life is not under Satan's control. There's not like this cosmic battle that's going on and, uh, you know, with Satan and God. No, 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 no. God owns Satan. (laughs) Nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen in you without it first coming through the hands of God. So Satan just takes off and he goes to work on Job. And in one day, Job has this day from hell. In one day, he lost all of his material possessions. He's bankrupt. A natural disaster happens in the same day and all 10 of his children were killed. You think you have pain in your life? I can't even imagine. Some of you have gone through the grief of losing a child. I'll never know that pain, I hope. But here's Job and he loses all 10 of his children. But he remains faithful to God. And so it doesn't end there. God and Satan have another conversation. Now, if I'm, if I'm Job, I'm thinking, God, would you please stop talking to Satan about me, right? And he says, have you seen my man, Job? You took everything from him. You took his material possessions. You took all of his stuff, bankrupted him. Um, you took his family away, but he has not given up on me. He is still faithful to me. And you know, Satan's relentless. And so he comes back and says, well, sure, it's because you've given him You've given him health. You you take away his health, he'll curse you to your face. God says, okay, do what you want to him, but you don't kill him. So Satan goes to work. The next day, Job wakes up, not feeling too good, goes to the doctor. 
Job, it appears that you have every disease known to man. Job is so bad and so disfigured through his sickness that the scripture tells us three of his friends couldn't even stand to put their eyes upon him. They had to turn away. Even Job's own wife comes to him and says, enough of this stuff. Come on, Job, curse God, get it over with and die. I can't take any more of this. Boy, she was a blessing, wasn't she? You know, Job, you know that Job is thinking, could you not have at least left me like one donkey and taken my wife, you know? (laughs) She's no help to Job at all. But in all fairness to Mrs. Job, she was in a lot of pain too. She had lost all her possessions. She's still grieving over the loss of 10 of her babies, life was hard for her too. Because life can just be hard. Life is a pain. I think often when I'm going through days like that, I am reminded that maybe I experience enough of that to know that this is not what I was intended for. I was made for another home. It's not, it's not in this life because this life can be hard. Pain is hard. And I can't define your pain, but you don't need me to define your pain. You, you know what your pain is. You know how it hurts. Job experienced five different types of pains. First one was he experienced emotional pain. Losing 10 kids, how do you deal with that? I don't know. Some of you are dealing with some great emotional pain right now in your life. Deep hurts maybe from loved ones, scars that go deep. One lady told me one time, my mom told me as a teenager that I almost died during labor. And then she looked at me and said, I sure wished you had. How how do you get over pain like that? Some have had a miscarriage or a child that died young. Some of you have had depression and nothing seems right. And I know there are some people that think, well, Christians don't get depressed. (laughs) Well, I beg to differ. Many years ago, I went through depression that lasted about two years. um, And I'm pretty much a Christian. I am, but I was a depressed Christian. Can we just establish that we are a church filled with weak people in need of a strong God and some loving people who will love us and pray for us and lift us up along the way and not think badly of us? Can we just be that kind of a church? We're all weak in some area. All of us have that moment or that link that feels like at any moment it could just break. Job experienced financial pain. As the story told us, he he lost everything he had in a day. And some of you right now are dealing with setbacks financially. I know churches that are on the brink and, and will close because of financial setbacks. I heard a general superintendent this week that shared that they have laid off 50 to 100 staff at headquarters because of financial setbacks during all of this, all of this time. And whether, whether it was a foolish choice or something that blindsided you and came from nowhere, the pain of financial 
pain, it hurts. Job had relational pain. Job and his wife had tension in their marriage. Pain causes tension. Pain sometimes exacerbates what's already there and makes the pain even greater. Some of you are just tired of the pain. You're tired of it and you think think it's the relationship and you just wanna give up on it. Job went through great physical pain. Job suffered more physical pain than I think anybody that has ever lived on this earth. Some of you have experienced physical pain. I've been blessed that I have not had uh, to deal with a lot of that. I have stuff. Come on, anybody got some stuff? I I think maybe I told you uh, when I was in high school, I developed a throat problem combined with meningitis and was in the hospital for 10 days. And the doctor said, um, I would always have throat problems, may not be able to talk. And uh, uh, he said, always keep it moist. So here we go. I'm just obeying my doctor. It's been a long time since that, those days uh, when I heard of this. And there are often um, days that I get, uh, it, I'll, I'll just say it this way, that the weight gets heavy. It's been a long time, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't get frustrated over it or feel some effect of it, uh, just ongoing pain. Some days are worse than others. And some of you are going through something right now, so let me give you a verse. It was given to me a thorn in the flesh, Paul said. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, and God said no. And if God says no, he, he has a better purpose or a reason. God has never healed me from what I was diagnosed with at the age of 17 He has never done that, but he has always given me grace because I know he has a greater plan in it. I don't understand it yet. I've just, I I came to the place where I either had to say, I'm just gonna be frustrated by this every day for the rest of my life and be angry, or I'm gonna trust in a God who knows more than I do. And then he goes on to say, but my grace, God says, will always be sufficient for strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so I've just had to come to trust in that and and realize that even in my physical pain, God is at work. And then Job had to experience spiritual pain. I mean, think about that. There was a spiritual misnomer back in the day that if you had an illness or a sickness, it meant that um, there was something wrong with with you spiritually. So it was kind of like God does good things to good people and bad things to bad people. So if you had something bad happen to you, it must mean you're a bad person. And I wish that was just back in that day that we thought that. But there are people today that will think in their pain, God must hate me. God must be angry with me. There must be something I did way back then he's not forgiven me of. God must dislike me. Come on, stay with me. The problem with that thinking is this. One is uh, the Bible and two, Jesus. (laughs) Come on, did Jesus experience pain and suffering? Yes, he experienced great pain and suffering. Uh, But God's will is always right and God's will is always good even when we don't understand it. God's will is also often painful. And Job experienced all of this. Why? Because life is hard. Jesus said in John chapter 16, I have told you these things 
so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And here's the second statement, and it's about as profound as the first one because you're gonna go like, duh. God is still God. In your pain and in whatever you're facing, God is still God. No matter what you're going through or how bad life gets, God is still God. My circumstances do not alter the character of God. And we either allow our circumstances to determine our theology or we allow our theology to determine our circumstances. And the person who allows their theology to determine their circumstances is the person who will walk through life in joy in spite of what they're going through. Emotion will not sustain our devotion. Your attitude will. In Job 19, he had frustrations and doubts and questions and fears and anger. And we often feel that people of faith, like as you look through the Bible, we always think, oh, people of faith, they, they, they never doubted God. <laughs> they never doubted God. Uh, well, Job doubted God. Job doubted God and said, I wish he'd come down here and face me so I could ask him a few questions. <laughs> you ever been that bold with God? Like, come on down here. I want to talk to you. Um. <laughs> And, and then, now this is in chapter 19. In chapter 38, Job gets his wish. And God shows up and says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Translation, put your big boy pants on, Job. We about to rumble. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man that had ever lived. He's talking about his faith. He's talking about his righteousness. Greatest man that ever lived. Yet John was thinking about Jesus while he's in prison. Are you really the Christ? Because I'm not seeing it. And so he sends his disciples. Is, John, is, is this guy, is he for real? It's like I'm here in prison and I'm not enjoying it. And I need to know if he's really, if he's really the, the Christ. And here's what I have discovered in reading through the word of God and in my own experience of life. The people God often uses most are the ones who had the greatest doubts and fears at times in their lives. It's not because they never doubted God. It's not because they never had fears. It's because in spite of that, God chose to use them. All through the book of Job, Job says, uh, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that in the end, he will stand. And Job is saying, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what's going on. But one day, one day very soon, I don't know when it'll be. It may not be in this lifetime. It may be in the next. It may be down the road a little bit. I don't know when it'll be, but one day it will all make sense. And in spite of what I'm going through, I choose God. That's the testimony of Job. 2,000 years ago, Jesus 
walked out of a tomb and every year millions and millions all around the globe, billions will celebrate the fact that Jesus came out of a tomb. And as long as the tomb is empty, we have hope for whatever is happening to us because our hope is not based on our circumstances. Our hope is based on the fact that God is still God and that God is a good God and that the tomb is still empty and that no matter what happens to us, even death itself, we can walk in victory. Just because God is silent does not mean God is absent. Just because you don't hear him or see him does not mean he is not working. Paul said in chapter eight of Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I mean, who could possibly separate us from God? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, even death itself? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what's most important is you need to know that right before Paul said this, he gives us this verse. Because we know in all things, God is at work. He's working out good for those, watch this, who love him. God doesn't work for everyone. Oh, come on. He works for his kids. When I was about seven or eight years old, I was at a homecoming basketball game at Olivet Nazarene. At the time, it was Olivet Nazarene College. Got any Olivet alumni here? Okay, just me. Um, <laughs> and at halftime, they were, the cheerleaders came out and they started throwing these little bitty basketballs. You know what I'm talking about? Started throwing them up into the crowd and everybody around me is getting one except for me. And the boxes became empty and they pushed them to the side and I just cried. My mama looked over at her boy without a basketball crying and she went out to the lobby to see if she could maybe buy one. And when she got to the concession stand, well, she looked and they were just lined up, people out there lined up and they had a sign up that said no more basketballs left. They were sold out. And I don't know how my sweet mama did it. I'm not sure I wanna know. But she came back into that gym with a basketball for me. And I always wondered if there was a little eight-year-old kid locked up in a janitor's closet somewhere <laughs> without a basketball. I want my kids to be blessed. I want my grandkids to be blessed more than we have ever been. And if I am an imperfect father and grandfather, how much more does a perfect God want his children 
to be blessed. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter seven. And here's what I know. If you are going through a tough time right now and you belong to Jesus, you are one of his kids. God is working out everything in your life for your good and for his glory. And the theology you have to embrace is, or you have to decide on is whether you're gonna embrace that or not. You're gonna believe that is true or not. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm not seeing the good in it. And the reason you're not seeing the good in it yet is because he's not done yet. <laughs> and when he is done, you'll see the good and it will knock you over and it will blow your mind. Come on, in chapter two, Job is wrestling with God. In chapter two, he's confused, he's angry, he's mad, he's frustrated. He's questioning God because he thought chapter two was the end of his story. <laughs> he just hadn't seen chapter 42 yet. And I believe this with all of my heart. If you belong to Jesus and you are going through a tough time and you feel overwhelmed in your situation, whatever it is today, you may be in chapter two, but chapter 42 is on the way. It's a coming. Because chapter 42 tells us that God blessed the latter part of Job's life more than he did the first. Because we serve, as Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, we serve a God who is able, capable, will do abundantly more than we could perceive or see in the moment. He is able to do far beyond that because we're not gonna live in chapter two forever. He's taking us to a greater realm. And some of you are real close to chapter 42. And I'm just encouraging you today not to give up because he is still God, the tomb is still empty. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead has the same power to raise you out of whatever you're facing right now. I believe that. Amen. Just hold on because God is still God. Don't, don't you ever give up on a God who has never, ever, ever, ever given up on you or anyone. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus is in the garden and his spirit is heavy with pain. He's experiencing betrayal, frustration, and he wants to give up. And he says, oh God, there must be some other way. Take this burden from me. This is Jesus. He's being flogged. Chunks of flesh are being torn from his body. He's drag, dragging a splintered cross up Mount Calvary. And he collapses beneath the load of that. And he cries out to God, please take this sorrow from me. He's in agony, laying across a splintered cross as spikes are driven into his hands and then into his feet and he is raised up 
and plopped down into the earth. And he cries out, Abba, Father, help me, save me, take away this pain. He's being mocked, he's being spat upon, humiliated in front of his mother and brother and all of his friends. And God is silent. Because he's living in chapter two, he doesn't like it. He's not enjoying it, he wants it all to go away. Come on, watch this. Suddenly he gets a picture of chapter 42. And on the cross, here's what he says. Oh, Father, (laughs) I'm praying for all that will ever come to know me. Not my will, Uh, not my will. I want your will to be done in me. And a few short hours from the darkest moment he ever faced, God takes him from chapter two to chapter 42. He takes Jesus from the darkness of a tomb into glorious light. Some of you are experiencing the hardness of life right now. Come on, heads bowed and eyes closed in this place. Just bow your heads if you're at home. Just open your hands up at home and just say, God, whatever you want for me right now in this moment, whatever you want for me. You may be experiencing confusion or anger or disappointment or betrayal or just sheer frustration and all that's happening right now. And there seems to be no answers and there seems to be no hope. But in this sacred moment today, Maybe you could be reminded that whatever is broken in your life, that you are only in chapter two today. That God has promised because the tomb is still empty and he is still God, that chapter 42 is on the way. And whatever you are going through, chapter 42 is coming. And just with heads bowed in this place today, come on, if you are facing a difficult time right now, It could be emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, just total frustration with stuff going on. And you just want to be prayed for today. Come on, we're not not gonna be able to come to the altars unless you really want to, but I want you to stand right now. Come on, just stand across this place. Anybody that needs prayer this morning, are you bold enough to even ask God for it? Come on, we got a few standing up. Are you bold enough to ask God for it? I need it today, God, I need it today. I am standing right now in the need of prayer. I need need you to work in my chapter two. I want you to bring me to chapter 42, God. And right now in faith, I'm just asking. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe what you do is just open your hands up and say, God, whatever you have for me today, I wanna receive it. I wanna receive it. Standing all across this room today, Father, are people that you love and people that are watching online that you died for. And there is nothing they're going through that is taking you by surprise, but there are some things that they're going through that is weighing heavy on them. And in some ways, maybe a much smaller way, it seems like they are about to fall beneath the load like Christ did on Mount Calvary. And they're saying, oh God, if there's a way, take this from me, bring healing, bring resource, heal a relationship, oh God. 
Bring a marriage back together. Bring resources, God, when we need them. That's our prayer. We're crying out to you in chapter two. We're asking you. But like Job, whether you do or don't, whether you give or take away, we will still say you are God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We trust you. For some today, God, it feels like they are desperate. And I am praying, Holy Spirit, you have promised you would be our counselor and our peace. And so I am praying right now, Holy Spirit, that you would draw close to them, whether they're here in this place today or whether they're watching online. May they, may they it just seem like that, Holy Spirit, you're giving them a hug this morning because some of them are missing a hug. Just seems like you're hugging them today saying it's gonna be okay. I am with you. You don't see it yet, but I'm working. I'm gonna do good things in your life. You, you trust me, you hold on, you don't give up. And so Father, right now, I'm just praying that the power of your spirit would raise some dead things to life. There's somebody here today and the truth is their faith, it's not necessarily all the things they've gone through, but their faith today seems dead. God, give them enough, give them just enough to say, God, help me take one more step. <laughs> Help me to keep trusting you. Help me to draw close to you in this time we're going through. Help me to be in your word. Help me to be in prayer. And God, we are just a people of faith that believe you are still God. Even though life's hard, you are a powerful God and you yourself are with us through your spirit. We pray. Would you all, all stand with us this morning as we sing as the band leads us this morning?